Welcome to episode 41 of the infamous Sports on Point podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, joined in the studio by the phenom, Mr. Bob Williams. Just for our impromptu dance, that's it. Not not to actually record this. Oh. We're supposed to be dancing? We, we just did. Awesome. And, of course, the guy pressing the buttons, Mr. Pod Severance. It's 41 snitches. What was the uh, yellow, is it yellow-bellied snitches? Is that? Uh, yellow belly? that sounds familiar. I don't know what it's Dr. from. Dr. Seuss? Ah, yeah. I think they butter their bread butter side up or something. I never got into Dr. Seuss. Uh, those little characters always scared the crap out of me. You, sir, are un-American. You like Dr. Seuss? Who doesn't like Dr. Seuss? Really? All the Who's in Whoville and all? I love every single one of those. They look like who's. freaking rats. They kind of do. Don't they, disagree. You like rats? They look like little pygmy, bare, <laughs> naked goat. So it's Dr. Seuss's version They're of the They're not Columbus. naked. They all just wear footy pajamas. They look like freaking moles. I like footy pajamas. Who doesn't like Winter Pajama? Probably the same guy who doesn't like Dr. Seuss. Yeah. I like Dr. Seuss's rhyming. His characters are scary as hell. I'm sorry. All right. Well, we've got some topics that deal with sports, I'm guessing, on this here show. We do. The 41st episode of our illustrious podcast. We do. And we just got absolutely lambasted. Wow, that's a good word. I was hoping to fit it into the podcast at some point. It almost rhymes with bombastic, but I don't know what either one of those. Almost bombastic, fantastic. <laughs> we got lamb, lambasted. A roll. We did with with NBA trades. Of course, the deadline coming tomorrow, so everybody's scrambling to kind of get their deals together and get their ducks in a row and uh, do whatever it takes to either make their team better this year or. Dare I say it, worse this year, um, just for the sake of growth in the future. Of course, the big one that came down just a few days ago was the Carmelo Anthony trade from Denver to the New York Knicks. No this this trade has been in the works for a while. I don't think anybody is really surprised that Carmelo Anthony is now suiting up in the Knickerbocker blue. But uh, I think the way that we kind of came across this trade was a little bit surprising. It seems as though Isaiah Thomas is possibly back in the mix, back in uh, Mr. Dolan's good graces. I have no actual comments about Isaiah Thomas. Okay, maybe I do. Uh, They actually said that, hey, he kind of was one of the reasons why. You heard, I think it was today whether it be Dolan or Walsh or, or whoever, actually sort of backtrack on, on that statement, saying it was Walsh who, who had the hand in it, kind of maybe distancing themselves a little bit, trying to give someone some credit. I, I don't think he's getting as much credit as, well, he doesn't deserve any, really. He doesn't deserve any. He doesn't deserve any. Let's, let's be honest. Um, the credit that he's getting is for, quote-unquote, recruiting Carmelo Anthony to come play for the Knicks. That's like saying Worldwide West should get credit for recruiting LeBron. Oh, wait, he didn't go to New York. Yeah, yeah, that didn't really work out. And you know why that didn't work out? Because nothing like that works out. This is the NBA. When you go from one team to another, you go for one of three reasons. You go because you want the money that's there, you go because you want the city that's there, or you go because you want to play for the team that's there. Nobody's going to come to me and say, 
you know, I got these plans for the future. I got all these ideas. It's mat- what matters is what's in the city, what's in my paycheck, and what's on the court. And what brought Carmelo Anthony to the New York Knicks was the fact that, A, he loves the city of New York. He grew up in Brooklyn. Can't blame him there. And B, the team is winning basketball games with the roster that they've got. And by adding a player to his caliber, a man with the ego that you have to have to play at that level has to assume that he can bring him to the next level. So to assume that anything other than those two factors and the possibility of the money, but then again, he could have gotten more in Denver. The, to, to assume it was anything other than those factors that, that led to him signing here is a complete, complete delusional statement on the part of Mr. Isaiah Thomas. If anybody could take the credit, it's got to be Amari Stoudemire, a guy who has completely changed the enigma that has surrounded his name in just a few short months in New York. Yeah. Uh, coming into the season, I know we were talking a little bit in, in the uh, preview show that yeah, Amare is a decent talent in New York. Is he going to win anything himself? No, unfortunately, he isn't. But he got someone there to help him. You know, not not only did they get Carmelo, they got the Chauncey Billups, who is a playoff tested guy. So, I agree that yeah, Amare, with the fact that he came here, he kind of re- rejuvenated the entire Knicks organization with how he's been playing and, and D'Antoni pretty much matching up like they did in Phoenix and, and him coming back to the all-star caliber that we knew he was. I think the best thing out of this, though, is Isaiah Thomas did have a hand in it. If he wouldn't have traded for Eddie Curry, this deal might not have gone through. <laughs> so there is an Isaiah Thomas sighting in this. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I, I think the part about this that really bothers me more than anything is... Donnie Walsh, over the past, what, three or four years that he's been in New York, has done absolutely masterful things to take the New York Knicks from being a team that couldn't afford to put braces on their kids because of all the money they were playing to all these, all these, these athletes, to being a team that could afford to sign two and possibly three top-tier max deal players in this past offseason. Granted, it didn't work out. They got Amari Stoudemire and a, and, a, and, a, and a bag of pretzels. Raymond Felton is a little bit better than a bag of pretzels. But Raymond Felton's not there anymore, so it doesn't even matter. Oh, thwarted. So, so uh, Donnie Walsh does, does, does good things with this organization. I don't think anybody can question that at this point in time. All of the speculation that was going on indicated that Donnie Walsh was playing his cards very close to his chest throughout this whole Nuggets negotiation process and that he, in fact, wanted to wait until the last minute when the Nuggets were desperate because everybody knew that Carmelo Anthony did not want to play for the New Jersey Nets and if he got traded there, he wasn't going to re-sign. So Donnie Walsh sees a situation where he can wait until the trade deadline and get him for significantly less or he can wait into the offseason and get him for nothing. Now what we have, at least if all the rumors that are coming out are true, is we've got a situation where James Dolan, an idiot owner, goes back to Isaiah Thomas, his former idiot GM and head coach who ran the team into the ground and overinflated their roster and overinflated their payroll, and he says, I need your help. Help me, Isaiah. You're my only hope. I need you to go sign this kid for me that wanted to play in New York. There was never any speculation from the Carmelo Anthony camp that he wanted to play anywhere else. 
It's absolutely moronic by James Dolan, and they should flat out take the keys to Madison Square Garden away from him. That seems to be a Dolan family trait there. It is. They they need to remove themselves from their, uh, I guess you can call them their organizations. I guess the, the ultimate thing that matters in this particular scenario is after this trade is made, what does the product look like on the court? And whether you like him or not, whether you think he's the savior of New York or not, you have to admit that Carmelo Anthony was the best player in this trade. Ultimately, I think when you're looking at a trade scenario, you want to look at who got the best player, and a lot of times you can consider it a success if you're that guy. But um, when you've given up uh, you know, your, your only legitimate seven-footer who can, who can play with defensive intensity, sorry, um, if, if you've given up two... Is it? I, I I've got my trades confused. Is it two future draft picks? I think it was just one. I don't know. Of course you don't. How dare you? <laughs> I just press the buttons. Exactly. Yeah. There. There it is on ESPN New York. Dolan Isaiah not involved in landing Mello. So. Just crazy circuits with Isaiah. Now, to be fair, I think that the statement about Isaiah not being involved has less to do with how it looks for the NBA team, but more to do with how it looks for Isaiah and his tenure at Florida International or Florida Atlantic, whichever school he's at, um, which he spends, I think, about four or five hours a week working at. Yeah, it seems um, like it. Leading him to consecutive 20-loss seasons and, you know. So it is one first round. A, one first round. A, a 2014 first round and then a 2012 and 2013 second round pick. Okay. Second round's not quite the weight that a first rounder carries, but either way, when you're talking about a team that you just gutted of, you know, your your best big man prospect that you had, your point guard of the future, let's face it, Chauncey Billups isn't going to be there forever. Um, and 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 you you've gotten rid of those guys and along with these draft picks, I think that you're building yourself to be successful now. And the level of success that they're going to have now is pretty questionable when you've got teams like Boston and Miami and Orlando who have had most of the season, if not all of the season, to gel as a roster. And now you've got this New York Knicks team that's thrown together with 28 games left in the season. I don't really think you've really got much in the now. Um, and I think the future is pretty pretty slim pickings. Yeah, I, I, I think that the biggest thing with the, with the future of this is yeah, you have Chauncey Billups, who's at the sort of end of his career or later half of his career. It seems like uh, in tonight's game, yeah, they're playing Milwaukee, but Tony Douglas seems to be doing well. And that's just not tonight. He, he's had a pretty decent season as, as a backup or their first guard off the bench. So I, maybe for this year that's that's fine. Other than that, it, you have Glenna Azabuki. Okay, kind of uh, mid-peak mid of his career. If he can stay healthy. You have Anthony Carter, end of his career. Roger Mason right there in the middle. Balkman is more than a name at this point. Then you have Sean Williams, who's been off-casted from two organizations already, who seems to be doing well in the offensive-oriented D'Antoni system. And then Bill Walker, who's another young guy. But, you know, you also have speculation that Corey Brewer, who they also got in, the, in this deal, might be flipped around before the trade deadline who maybe he can pull them a, a center. I don't know who will do it. But this this year, they're, they're, they're a fringe team, 
French playoff team, just like they were before this trade. It's who they can recruit to come to New York, which I, I think that goes up a little bit with the fact that you have not only stat there that you, you do have Carmelo. So I, I think future-wise, you're going to get the, the Mike Millers of the world who's been going to the Heat this year, or um, Shaq and Jermaine O'Neal and Marquise Daniels who ended up in Boston the past few years. The that, mercenaries. That, yeah, that, that's who you're going to get with, with New York. So uh, unless they swing some other deals, whether it be this trade deadline or in the offseason before the possible lockout, it, it's guns for hire. That's that's what they're going to do, and we'll see if it works for them. And, of course, um, for those of us who have done our math at home, you have to look at the situation and realize that um, there's really not any way that the New York Knicks, unless they are able to sign some players to switch to less money or move some significant contracts, there's not going to be any way that they're going to be able to sign that free agent next year, such as a... Let's face it, he's still got a chance to be a free agent. Deron Williams, we got a chance of possibly Chris Paul um, and, and some other possible scenarios. It just doesn't look like the New York Knicks have the cash on hand to make those acquisitions. But this trade, the Knicks trade, of course, was one that we all saw coming. Everybody knew was happening since Carmelo first said he wanted out last summer. However, the other trade that happened just today, Deron Williams traded to the New Jersey Nets. I don't know if you were like me, but I was absolutely floored by this trade. Uh, big move by the Russian Mikhail Prokhorov to get a consolation prize, and I put that in air quotes, consolation prize, because I honestly feel like they've got a better uh, better building block here with their acquisition of Deron Williams than what, uh, than what the Knicks got with Carmelo Anthony. Better building block indeed. Yeah, they did give up two first-round picks along with... Devin Harris and Derek Favors to to go out to Utah, which wasn't an actual bad deal for either team going the direction that they're going. But for Williams himself, he he sort of had to see this coming. You know, you you just get in a spat with a coach, uh, a legendary coach in, in Jerry Sloan. He retires. The organization sort of turns sour on you, realize that all you're talking about is I'm going to go play for the Knicks. I'm going to go play, you know, in New York. Well, yeah. Why not trade you? Why not get the most they can out of you when you're you're on contract? So they're not put into the same situation that Denver has been put into this year. So yeah, it was out of the blue, but it seems to make sense for the Utah organization. And depending on how they they flip this, you know, they do have some excessive bigs there with Jefferson Okur, Millsap favors they they could flip it down you know flip it around and kind of be a better team I, not not saying that they, they they're gonna miss Duran. you know he he was their 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 team he was their leader but it's not all bad there there in Utah but for New Jersey definitely a good building block absolutely the thing that I've got to wonder with the whole situation that you mentioned with Jerry Sloan and Duran Williams is it it, it seems to me that this had to have been a late in the game decision by the Nets and the the Nuggets to or I'm sorry the Jazz to make this trade. I don't see how you let go of a Hall of Fame coach because because of the fact that he's not getting along with your star player and then just a few weeks later, just a week or two later, trade away that same star player. 
Uh, it it, it, it kind of seems to me like the Utah Jazz has, has been kind of making moves without thinking about the consequences of them. And ultimately, um, Williams had to go. It, it's one of those things where the fans are, are going to be real slow to admit it. But anything other than uh, an upward movement by this team over the next couple of years would be considered to be something that was directly related to Jerry Sloan's departure and therefore directly related to Deron Williams. So if they have a rebuilding project on their hands, which I think uh, I think is what was suspected, at least with the scenario before today, um, if they don't do better next year than they did this year, Deron Williams looks like the bad guy. So ultimately, he's he had to get out of Utah, and I think that this is a good move for Utah to get some value in his place. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that after they make after they're done making moves, I'm not sure that they won't be a better basketball team um, than they were before. And the same goes for the New Jersey Nets. I think that this is a pretty solid trade as far as making both teams involved better with the acquisitions that they made. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I agree, or I, I think, like I said a second ago, that if, if they don't flip someone this year, and if they just let Kirilenko expire, I think he's an expiring, if they let him just expire, you, you still have that glut of big men that they can flip. You know, you still have Jefferson, who has two or three years on his deal. You have Okor, I think, has a year or two. And then even Millsap, depending. Those, those aren't really, Okor's an older guy, but Favors, Jefferson, and Millsap are all young guys who could get you better pieces in a in a shooting guard or a, a small forward or even another point guard? So because because in the NBA you really rarely exchange a big for a small, but if you have a a glut of bigs, why not? Right. And uh, to be to be complete, I guess we should mention that uh, AK forty seven and Memo Okur and Paul Millsap all making all making hefty amounts of money and counting significantly against Utah's salary cap. So moving those guys out of town while it is potentially moving a big for a small, it's also freeing up some roster space and some some cap room so that you can make some free agent moves and and uh, other things in the future. Ultimately, I think uh, I think a good deal for both guys. Also in Utah, <laughs> bring him young. Go Jimmer. We got Jimmer. Wait, no, we didn't. We did not get Jimmered. Uh, but what we are going to be talking about is the NCAA basketball and how it seems like the the top team really doesn't want to be the top team. In the, in the past uh, week, week and a half, we've seen Kansas, Ohio State, Texas, Pittsburgh all right there and, and lose. You know, uh, Ohio State lost to a four. Kansas lost to Kansas State on the 14th. And then Texas even lost to lowly Nebraska. Yeah, I did not see that coming. Yeah, I didn't. Nebraska's more of a football school. Uh, so, good, good for Nebraska. That makes the Big Ten a little bit. There is there is a little bit there is a little bit of fun involved with that Nebraska win over Texas if you think about the ties that those two schools have together on the football field and of course the fact that Nebraska is making their exit to the Big Ten next year I think uh, I think I think that game might have gone gone under the radar a little bit but I think that was a Nebraska team that had a big chip on their shoulder yeah why not you know and 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 Texas isn't a slouch either you know they they've beaten a number two Kansas team they've beaten a Number six, well, at the time, sixteen Illinois team, and their three or two losses, two of their three losses before that was to Pitt and to Connecticut. 
right. you know, two other strong programs. So, you know, right now, yeah, we're going to be like, who's number one, who's number one? Duke is actually number one. But these other teams are posturing for that number one seed come tournament time. It's actually kind of funny because I think what we're what we're going to end up with is a situation not too unlike what we had with the BCS and schools like Boise State and TCU. I think you're going to have schools like San Diego State and Brigham Young who are going to make a solid, solid resume for potentially stealing one of those number one seeds away in the NCAA tournament. But here's the big difference because in the NCAA tournament, everybody gets a chance no matter what. They don't mind. They'll let those teams sneak in as a number one. And ultimately, if they play up to their level, they'll prove it and they'll make it to the Final Four. And if not, oh well, they were San Diego State. Exactly. Uh, I don't know if San Diego State or, or BYU could be this year's Butler. They could be. Someone else could be this year's Butler. Butler could be this year's Butler. Um, but just just with these these top teams, you have, you have Pitt, who's a, a traditional Big East school, who... They, who did they? I just said who they lost to. They, they lost, lost to St. John's. St. John's the giant killers this year. Yeah, they they, they have a resume. They'll they'll probably be dancing. Uh, but I I don't know. Very rarely do you see one of those teams, especially if if say we break it down. We'll say our number our, our four number ones right now are either Kansas or Texas, Pittsburgh, Ohio State, and Duke. Okay, if one of those teams doesn't win their conference. Then maybe you could you could see a, a San Diego State or a, a BYU getting a number one seed, but I, I highly doubt it because not only do you have those. Oh, sweet! I don't have the poll up. That's awesome, Bob. You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> no, not you, Bob. You are awesome. But yeah, other other than that, you have Purdue, who's five losses. Notre Dame, who's five losses. Arizona, who's four, that's that's rounding out. Those are your next three teams in the top ten. So, if one of those teams doesn't win their their championship game, you're you're gonna see a look for San Diego State or or Brigham Young possibly getting that number one spot or number one seed. Right. I think it's I think it's important to note that number one seeds in college basketball have only a slightly higher chance of making it to a championship or a Final Four even um, than number two seeds. So I don't think any one of these teams are going to be crying into their milk if they end up on that number two line. It's still a uh, it's still a pretty easy first round, and once you get out of the first round, it's all up in the air anyway. So um, we'll, we'll definitely be seeing Ohio State, Texas, Pittsburgh, Kansas, uh, Duke, San Diego State, and Brigham Young on those top two lines unless something changes drastically uh, towards the end of the year. But uh, this week, just an absolute crazy week um, as far as those those teams are concerned with, uh, with, with so many big names losing. And uh, the this, this St. John's Redmen, we mentioned it uh, – I, I, we mentioned it a little bit ago, and I, I should correct myself because they're the Red Storm now. Yeah, they are the Red Storm. I'm Sorry. stuck in the '80s. Uh, the St. John's, the St. John's Red Storm. Because that's all right. I thought they were the St. John's Warts. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you're going down this route. The fact that they beat Pitt. Yep. They beat Connecticut. Yep. They've beaten number three now, number one Duke. Yes. Which, which, by the way. As we mentioned just a few moments ago, Pitt and Connecticut both beating Texas 
Although it was by, I believe, a combined a combine of three points hey. difference, but but uh, definitely some definitely some some big name wins and a team that has has really played above and beyond what anybody really thought they were capable of doing. Dark horse, absolutely, and and I think that uh, I think that come tournament time, that's going to be a big name, a popular name that everybody's going to be throwing around for that potential team to to make a run at the final four out of a, a I don't know four or five spot. Maybe we'll we'll see. Um, I guess my question there is: How did Steve Lavin go this long without a job? I mean, it wasn't like the guy was terrible when he was in UCLA. I didn't even know it was Lavin. Yeah. Oh wow! Steve I just assumed Lavin. he was still in ESPN. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing. How did this guy who was successful at UCLA, although he wasn't successful as his, his predecessor Jim Herrick, he didn't take him to a national championship. But, you know, let's be fair, that's a pretty ridiculous standard to have anybody live up to in the first place. Yeah. So he spends all these years at ESPN, and, and you know, I'm not saying he did a bad job at ESPN, but come on. I mean, he, he signs with St. John's and instantly brings them to giant killer status. They live – or the, the university is – is in New York City, they've got nothing but talent on their recruiting grounds. Nothing but talent. That's how teams like Kentucky, UMass, and and other teams that were led by the likes of Patino, Calipari, got big in the first place was by recruiting the hotbed talents of New York City. And if that school right in the city, St. John's, can get those kids to come and play, watch out. Yeah, he's definitely a guy who can, you know, who, who can have a good tenure there as long as he stays out of trouble. Yes, uh, hopefully he doesn't follow in uh, his predecessor's footsteps in that regard. Of course, Jim Herrick kicked out of every university he ever worked for because of cheating scandals or paying players or whatever. But uh, ultimately, I think the end of the season, the the conference tournaments are going to boil down and be really exciting and captivating sports to watch, which when the football season is over, that's really all we got going on right now other than pitchers and catchers reporting, so... Let's hope they uh, let's hope they live up to the hype and uh, everything uh, everything is as exciting as I hope it will be. And female batting practice sessions. Ah, Justine Siegel. And Ramon sessions. Hey, um, so are we going to have a sports on point bracket for March Madness? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Let's I do see it. that in our future. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. We will, we will we will put together a sports on point bracket. The prize or the the winners uh, spoils uh, at this point yet to be determined. But uh, keep listening. We'll we'll uh, we'll come up with something good for you. I, I have an idea for a prize. I will write you a love ballad and sing it on one of the episodes. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good deterrent. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Nothing like dashing my hopes of being a star. I want to be on American Idol. So, yeah, guys, listening at home, make sure you're paying attention to your Joe Lenardi bracketology. Uh, make sure you, you're, you're up to date on the, the big-time players and, and strengths and weaknesses of all the tournament-bound teams because we will have a significant prize. Well, gentlemen, I believe we've got a show. Let's wrap it up. Om nom nom. Well, this has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show and your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Before we go, I just got to send a shout out to the Carnegie Deli. They now have a sandwich named after Carmelo Anthony, which puts him in the same class as me. They got a sandwich named after me, too. It's called Corn Beef. And we out. I thought the sandwich was going to be called the Big Letdown. That's right, baby. I thought it was going to be called...